You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly on up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Ed, there is uh, so much that we could talk about today. Uh, I want to get to some reaction over things that we discussed in the last few episodes of Socks in the Basement. Uh, remember, they're all on demand. If you miss something, go back. Listen to them on demand. They're 30 minutes of good. They are all about the White Sox. We don't talk about anything else, and they're very consumable. So if you want to look at the picture for this team going into the offseason with the fielding positions, if you want to look into what's going on with the pitching, if you want to look at possible trade bait, if you want to hear Jordan Lazowski from Sox on 35th going over things that worked and didn't work and maybe changing over the roster construction a little bit here this offseason. And, and I'm going to tell you this. I think everybody's got to get ready at a different point. After your team gets eliminated from the postseason, it takes a while to get fully back into baseball. But when you're ready to do so, that's why there's a bunch of 30-minute episodes for you to catch up on and get rolling in White Sox coverage because there's still so much ahead for this team. Hey, we're coming off of back-to-back playoff appearances. Why wouldn't we be getting excited about the fact that they're going to take another run at it coming up this spring right and then we also have this offseason the thousand dollar guest bounty well there's that too i've been mentioning at the back end of shows so but i want to talk about it right away here at the beginning of it because we're starting to already get people that are reaching out with possible guests that they think that they can get for us and have on this show during the offseason and the best one the one that the fans like the most and it's got to be somebody we've never had on before and it could be anything could be somebody that has to do with baseball the white Sox directly Somebody who's you'd never expect on this show that we're going to talk baseball with or talk about their lives. I, I don't care. You want Lady Gaga on the show? Somebody gets her. She might be a finalist. I just picked that out of my head. Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga's not doing well. Show. Yeah, no, right. I, I doubt. But you know what? Lady Gaga, I'm sure, has some thoughts on baseball and probably on the labor dispute and all that stuff. too. Right, right. If you're a friend of Lady Gaga and she's got strong thoughts on the collective bargaining agreement and she's going to sing Bad Romance down here on one of the microphones... She she might win you a thousand dollars. I mean, like that's yeah. you know, I anything can happen here. I mean, she could win it for you. You know, going and getting somebody like AJ Brzezinski down here or Mark Burley, that could win it for you as well. I mean, there's so many different possibilities. Think outside the box and take a look. We have a few of them that have already been thrown at us. And I'm already hard at work on those. But you got several months to get this put together. And the winner is going to get a thousand dollars from Elite Benefits of America. I really appreciate the fact that Butch Zemar, a big fan, uh, a guy who listens to this show, put this up. I had, I had seen him. I told him this idea, and he's like, I want to pay that $1,000 guest bounty. And he just wants me to mention his business, Elite Benefits of America. Go visit them at EliteBenefits.net. If you have a small, mid, or large size company, and you're looking at health insurance benefits for your employees, either adding it for the first time, you've never done it before, or seeing whether or not you could do it better, where it costs you less money, it costs them less money, it gives everybody more coverage. He's a very realistic guy. He actually does a podcast on just insurance. I've checked it out once or twice. You really have to be ready to listen to insurance talk. But on the other hand, like it's informative, and it's called the the Zemar podcast. So you can check that out at EliteBenefits.net. You can see everything that Butch does for you, and you can give him a call anytime at 708-535-3006, but he's giving $1,000 
to the best guest that we have this offseason for the Socks in the Basement $1,000 guest bounty. Now, all of that out of the way, let's take a look at some of the comments that we've gotten and maybe listen to a voicemail or two. There's plenty of ways for you to reach out to us. You can hit us on all of our social media. You can leave comments after shows. I've seen a lot of them about things that we've talked about over the last couple of weeks and the White Sox in the offseason and what people think they should or shouldn't do. Uh, you can also leave a voicemail by clicking on the little microphone, the bottom right-hand corner on whatever device you are using when you are at SoxInBasement.com. You can use the contact form and send us a message. You can also reach out by phone to the voicemail at 708-459-8406. There's lots of ways for you to interact with us. One of the more interesting things after our last few shows is the reaction to me saying Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon all day. Right. Go get him. Go get those home runs. Go get that performance. Go get him. That That's my guy. I want to replace him. Now, Jordan Lazowski was like, fix right field. And I get that, right? I get Jordan saying fix right field. If you're a White Sox fan, Ed... You're looking at Michael Brantley, Jack Peterson, and who's the who's the third Eddie one? Rosario Eddie Rosario are, are all are all guys that we wanted in the offseason. All guys that we said the Sox should go after. They did go after Jack Peterson, uh, who had a okay run for the Cubs, but his money in the playoffs. They did not go after Eddie Rosario, who cost the same amount of money as Adam Eaton. And we saw how that turned out for the Sox. And although Rosario did not have he didn't have a great year for the, the Indians. But Eddie Rosario was basically the MVP of the National League Championship Series. And he was available. Right. Uh, very much so. He was even available probably in trade with the Indians. I, I imagine if you had gone up from Connor Pilkington, you might have uh, been able to grab him. Heck, if they had grabbed him instead of Cesar Hernandez, maybe we'd still be talking about the Sox playing games. Also, look at what we did instead. And I think that's the thing that's driving White Sox fans well, that, nuts. Like I said, it, it's it's the Adam Eaton thing. You spent $8 million on Adam Eaton when you could have spent $8 million on Eddie Rosario. And Rosario, again, not a great regular season, but when it counted, he was there. For the White Sox, you patch together right field in the regular season after the Adam Eaton debacle, and in the postseason, you were relying on Adam Engel, sort of, and Larry Garcia, kind of, and Gavin Sheets was your DH, so he was out of the mix, and we didn't see Andrew Vaughn except for in a couple of pinch hit appearances. Right. That's a thing. You could sit there and say second base is your biggest offseason concern. I, I get Jordan saying right field, especially after looking at what's going on in right field and what we did over the last couple of years with it and what's available. Maybe it's time to lock that down. But we've had an awful lot of different ideas that have been thrown out there. Why don't we start with this voicemail right here that was left at SoxInTheBasement.com using a little microphone in the corner and listen to an idea which involves a guy that we talked about as possible trade bait. And instead of trading him, moving him to another position. Move McCarter, third base to second base. So I can give you Jose Abreu, McCarter, Tim Anderson, put Andrew Vaughn there, or Gavin Sheets. Try somebody else at third base. And what's interesting is I've heard people also suggest put him out in the right field. Fix that issue. Use his arm out there. I've heard it before, too. Yeah. But I want to compare Yuan Moncada. I'm going to do this. I'm going to actually combine two people's comments because we also got comments on, well, forget Semyon and forget Chris Taylor. What about Cattell Marte? What about that guy out there in Arizona who's really a second baseman and they've been putting in center field, put him back at his natural position at second base, and he's an upgrade at the position and go for it. So I want to look at him 
and the idea of Moncada all kind of in one big picture here. Because in the end, if you're trying to figure out who Marte is, he's Yoan Moncada. He's got a, I mean, I'm just saying, he is, uh, the OPS plus for Yoan Moncada is a 113. The OPS plus for Quetel Marte is a 112. What? Uh, the, okay. The two of them had breakout seasons in 2019. Marte, in his 2019 season, in which he was an all-star and came in fourth in MVP voting, went uh, 329 with a 981 OPS. Yoan Moncada in his breakout in 2019 went a 315 with a 915 OPS. The two of them, again, very similar players at the plate. The two of them also, very interestingly, really good or at least equal defensively at the right position and a total liability at the wrong position. Marte, terrible in center field. In a very short sample size, he was worth something like negative 15 defensive runs saved in center field this year. Like he's in, he's a second right, baseman. Yeah, it's bad. Right. When he's a second baseman, he's anywhere from like zero to he's at a positive run saved, depending on how his season goes. So he's actually going to play a good defense for you and then produce at the plate. Mankata was awful at second base. He actually he is. He is a terrible second base. Right. He I'm was, looking at the stats right now. They're awful. Right. He, he's another guy. Correct me if I'm wrong. That was in a negative double digits defensive run saved when he was playing second base for a full season for the White Sox, which I believe in 18. Negative, yeah, it was. he was negative 10. He was a negative uh, all the way. And and he's he's not been a negative at third base. No, no. So they're also similar in a way that this is a play. You have two players where people have thought to themselves, well, I could move this guy and he could just go to another position. And they, they have both shown that so far there's only one position they're actually really good at defensively. Marte's a good second baseman. And Moncada's a good third baseman. Could Moncada be an okay right fielder? Well, he could be. He could also be just like Marte. When when the Diamondbacks got the idea of just throw him in center field, because we have so many infielders, we could just move him out there. You know, it's easier said than done. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Marte and Mancada, very similar in a lot of ways in terms of their offensive production when they had their breakout years, in terms of the fact that they may be somebody you could move to different parts. But so far, they both demonstrated there's only one position that they've actually been very good at. And the other thing, though, that I want to point about out about the two of them is that Throw out both their 2020s. They were both down in 2020. In fact, I decided now that I could see 19, 20, and 21 stats that the shortened season means very little to me. 
If you excelled yeah. in the shortened season, I don't care. If you sucked in the shortened season, I don't care. But congratulations to Jose Abreu for your MVP run in 2020, of course. Right. For every Jose Abreu MVP, there's a guy like Brian Reynolds out in Pittsburgh that hit like 050 or something like that. And people said he was done. It was just awful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, for look at Ketel Marte. Let's let's take a, a quick look at his last three years compared to Moncada's. There is a difference between these two guys. Marte's batting average over the last three years, 19, 20, and 21, 329, 287, 318. Yohan Moncada, 315, 225. Remember, he's dealing with COVID, but only back up to 263 in 2021. Let's look at their OPSs. 981 for Marte, 732 in the shortened season, and back up to 909 this year. And he did deal with injuries this year, so he didn't get in a full season. Mancata, 915 in 2019, 705 in the shortened season, and only back up to 787. You could actually make the argument that Marte's Marte's better player. Yeah, 2019. Yeah, Marte's 2019 has actually come to fruition more, and he's sitting right now getting ready to go into his year 28 season. This will be his year 28 season coming up in 2022. It'll be the year 27 season for Yohan Mancata. When you take a look at both of their contracts, uh, you got one year left of Marte and two option years. It's a $8 million deal in 2022, options for 10 and $12 million in the next two years after that. If you look at Moncada, he is locked in. He is uh, $13 million, $17 million, $24 million, and then a $25 million option. I want you to think about the fact that you have a guy on your team right now who you're going to be paying $24 million to. That's not an option. That's his actual number in 2024, and he can't hit 20 home runs in a season. And he's one of your power corners that right. that, that should be hitting home runs. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm all for using Yoan Moncada wherever you can use him for. And if moving him to right field solves that problem, so that Gavin Sheets can be your DH, and either Andrew Vaughn or uh, Jake Berger or whoever you want to put at third base can be at third base, great. If you're willing to put up with Larry Garcia's middling defense at second base for most of the second half of the year, and you're okay, you know, creating another defensive liability in the infield with Yon Moncada moving back over to second base where he wasn't very good, and you want to promote somebody to be a third baseman again, like Berger, or you think you can sign someone to play that position, fine. However, I would I would sort of dispel everybody of the notion that the Diamondbacks are going to give up Kettle Marte for anything that the White Sox have to offer right now because they just don't have we, we talked about this going into last last offseason too. They don't really have the prospects to go out and get a premium player from a team that's gonna look to rebuild. If the Diamondbacks post Kettle Marte up there, there are going to be plenty of teams lined up for this guy and they don't want they don't want Moncada I was just more looking at them as a comparison but they might be interested in Andrew Vaughn and I think that's the guy that the the White Sox would probably have to deal to pick up Marte but then when you think about what both but you might have to to go Vaughn and someone though that's the problem you know you might have to go Vaughn and Sheets for example oh no that's insane that's insane. Then you, then go out in the free agency and go get Marcus Sebian or your exactly or and, your and backup that's, that's plan of, of Chris point. Taylor. Go do that, right? Right. <laughs> and th- and that's part of the point is is that when you when you start thinking about the White Sox trading off of the major league roster, a guy like Marte, Marte and Vaughn aren't even really a matchup either. Because again, think about Andrew Vaughn, and from what other teams are seeing, they know the pedigree, they know the talents there, they know he's in development, uh, but so far 
if he is the centerpiece of a trade around a couple of other players, I think you could sell that to a fan base if you're trading away your best player. But if you're just going one-on-one, why would the Diamondbacks make the assumption that Andrew Vaughn is going to become as good as Kettle Marte is? Well, no, I make that assumption. I think Andrew Vaughn's going to be a star. I think there's a lot of people that can make that assumption based upon his pedigree. But it's just an assumption. Uh, Everything's an assumption. I'm assuming that Marcus Semien is going to continue to be his 2019 and 2021 self instead of his uh, 2018 and 2020 self, right? I mean, the guy never had an OPS plus of 100 or higher until his MVP season in 2019 and disappeared in 2020 in a shortened season, which again, I take with a grain of salt and then was a superstar again in his contract year. And like, he's got a higher ceiling than Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor, at least is generally at about a 110 OPS plus. So, I mean, like me, I'm swinging for the fences, but I'm making an assumption. I think all of this is an assumption. Like, there's not a very good way. Everybody always goes, oh, there's these predictive models and saber metrics. There's all these predictive things that we do to try to figure out what a guy is going to be. But they're all really assumptions because you never know right. what's going to have an impact on a player that you didn't see in your predictive model. So you're assuming he'll be healthy. You're assuming that he'll continue on the track he's on. You're assuming his personal life will stay the same and he won't become distracted. You're assuming a lot of things. When you go out and you spend all these money on uh, this money on these players, I want to mention this guy had pretty much the same idea with Moncada. Um, but I want to I want to read Michael's uh, comment on SaxonBaseman.com. I'm a lifelong White Sox fan who's lived away from Chicago for 20 years. Your podcast has become an important link to my native city and, of course, my team. Thank you. If the White Sox are going to strengthen themselves in free agency, then they need to turn to a position where there is strength. And that is shortstop. There's a lot of free agent shortstops at that position that could strengthen our team. And one of them could be moved to third base. And, and you know, he gives A-Rod as an example, but also don't forget Manny Machado. You know, the, the, the difference between him moving short to third, third to short, and, and that whole question a few years ago. Uh, and also a shortstop can move to second. So what he's saying is not just Semyon. He's saying any one of the other free agent shortstops that are out there are a possibility at second base, much like how the Dodgers put Trey Turner at second and he'll move back over to short. That that, that is a way that some teams are thinking. He also threw in, let's move Mercada from second to right field, where his arm would be a defensive weapon. But I mean, I think that's the other thing. When we're talking about moves they can make in the offseason, we cannot forget that that very strong shortstop class is where teams are going to all go into this pool of second base and shortstop and even third, and it's all one big pool. And we, we can't forget the big free agent shortstops. Well, the guy that, that Trey Turner is going to replace in L.A. would fit nicely into the White Sox lineup in Corey Seager. You know, if, if he is willing to play second base, and there was some conversation with the Turner signing that, uh, you know, at some point if they decided to bring Turner, you know, with, if they decided to keep both Turner and Seager going into next year, if they re-sign Seager, that one of them would have to stay at second, and Turner's the one that they put at second because he was the new guy, but they didn't discount the idea that, that Corey Seager could move over to second base. And, you know, I would be okay with that too, you know, having one of those guys in. I just, I think you have to, when, you, when you're looking at where the money's going to be spent, like you said, you're making an assumption that Marcus Semien is, of now, is the Marcus Semien that you would get. And at least he's got two years of a track record, again, thrown out 2020, that suggests that maybe something clicked with him and he's become, you know, he's realized his potential. He's become the player he, me- he was meant to be in this, you know, over 30 stretch, you know, on this backside of his career. 
But then, you know, if you're going to spend that kind of money on Trevor's story, which I think everybody looks at and goes, well, is, is he going to be the same away from Coors Field? Will he play well in, in Chicago because, you know, guaranteed rate field plays nice for, for home run hitters as well? Maybe he would. But, and you know, would he move to second base or would he move to third as he's getting on in his career too? I, you know, all of these things, again, there's a lot of different moves that the Sox could make. I just think that, you know, I when when people are making the trade suggestions, that what I I don't necessarily laugh at them. Uh, I laugh with them. But what I'm looking at when I, when people make these trade suggestions is they're throwing out the idea that, again, all things being equal, if Arizona said Marte is available, that somehow the White Sox have enough ammunition to make it happen. And I think people just need to, when we're talking about trades, especially this year where it really is what's on the major league roster and maybe trying to remake the major league roster. And that's why we talked about maybe trading Moncada to fill a hole. Uh, if you think you can fill his position better, you know, I think you just have to, it's fun to play fantasy baseball, but I, I'm, I saw that suggestion. I went, there's no way the Diamondbacks are trading Marte to the White Sox. There's just, uh, you know, it, it would take Andrew Vaughn and at least one other player that you do not want to get rid of. Ed, Cork and Carry at the park is my favorite place to hang out before, during, and after a White Sox game. Unless I have tickets, then during I'm actually inside the ballpark. But then I'm right back over sure. there, uh, and it's it's a great spot. You know, great food, incredible menu. Uh, they are the spot to meet up with your friends before or after the game. Uh, you get some food. You don't have to pay the high ballpark prices. You got a full bar. You've got all kinds of different beers, your, your old favorites and all kinds of craft beers in the lineup, and it's constantly changing on that big, giant row of taps that they have. But then also... In Beverly, it's cozy. When you first walk in, it's a traditional pub. If you've never been to it, you walk in and it looks like a tiny spot, right? It looks tiny. And then you realize there's other rooms to it that they can rent out for parties. And then you realize they have that outdoor patio, which is really nice here in the fall. I mean, I know it's raining some nights, but you can get a nice brisk night right now. It's kind of fun to go see a ball game or watch an event on the big flat screens that are out there just as much as it is to sit inside the place and watch it. They've got everything you could ever imagine on tap and behind that bar for you. They are a spectacular place to hang out. Once again, 10614 Southwestern Avenue for Cork and Carey Beverly, 33rd in Princeton outside the ballpark for the Southside tradition that is Cork and Carey at the park. See everything they have to offer, corkandcarey.com. I want to address something that a lot of negative White Sox fans keep bringing up, which is funny because I get accused of being negative sometimes. I just think I'm realistic, right? I mean, I, I, there have been times where I've been positive about Tony and negative about Tony. I'm positive about Yoan Moncada. Like, I, I was bully on Yoan Moncada for years telling you this guy's going to be a star, and his 2019 made me puff my chest out. And now I'm sitting around saying, okay, he's a he's a good player, but he might be somebody you have to move. If he's still on the team next year, I, I'm still wearing his jersey to games. I'm a fan. But I, I feel like there's a lot of negativity where people sit there and say, look, money's already spent. Socks don't have any. One of the things that's getting pointed out a lot when we're talking about the offseason is that the White Sox are currently, according to Spot Track, sixth in Major League Baseball payroll already going in to next season. And I want to put that into perspective. As of right now, they've got a, over $167 million committed to payroll. It'll be the most that they'll ever spend on, on a roster. On the other hand, 
That includes, let's say, a Craig Kimbrell contract you might move on from, a Dallas Keiko contract you might move. There's some wiggle room there. And also, I want to kind of give you a little bit of perspective here, Ed. First off, the money that they're at currently right now would put them in between ninth and 10th place in 2022, meaning there are teams that have less on their payroll right now because contracts are up in the air or have expired. Where they're going to re-add that payroll and the White Sox are not going to be sixth if they stand pad. They stand pad. They're likely sitting around 10, maybe even 11 if somebody starts adding something and goes past them. They are not number sixth in payroll going into 2022 realistically. That's not the case. No. That's the starting point. All right. So that's the first thing I kind of want to explain to people. They were last year, and I want to make sure I've got this right. Last year, they were 15th in Major League Baseball payroll at $140.9 million and change. The league average is 130.7. The league average sits in between them and the Reds, which are in in sixth place. Okay. So they were basically just a hair above league average last year. What I want you to pay attention to with the White Sox when you're trying to figure out what Jerry Reinsdorf will spend and won't spend is not the numbers, not the amount of money spent on a, on a payroll. That'd be like saying, hey, our team, uh, it, it, it spent just as much money as the 27 Yankees, right? And they were great. We're, we're spending money like the 27 Yankees over here. You'd be in last place. Or, or like, I'm spending, I'm spending money like uh, Steinbrenner in the late 90s. You're down at the bottom, big guy. Baseball teams are worth a lot more. The owners are worth a lot more. So the number that they're spending is not indicative as to whether or not they're spending a lot of money. Look at the ranking compared to the other teams in Major League Baseball. And what I want to look at is the end of the year, what did they actually spend compared to other teams? The White Sox, let's just take a look at the run when they got good in 2005 and the years following that where Jerry Reinsdorf's payroll would sit. 13th in 2005, 9th in 06, 10th in 07, 9th in 08, 10th in 09, 8th in 10, 7th in 2011. Man, that was a lot of wasted money. And then it goes to 12th for the next two years before we start sliding off. And that was really, there was like a first rebuild there that didn't work. Then there was a second rebuild. And during the rebuild, we were ranking anywhere between 25th and 29th in Major League Baseball. As you do during a rebuild. As you do during a rebuild. But when the team was good and Jerry's going for it, he sits right around 10th in Major League Baseball, right? Sure. I believe that once all the contracts are signed and things are moved around, the White Sox, if they don't make any other additions to their payroll, are probably sitting somewhere around 10. They could be at 11. They could be at 9. That's about where they're going to be. I don't expect him to add very much more, although he has done it before. His opening day 26-man rosters, when he was really going for it after the World Series, he went 5th, 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 11th in 2009, 9th and 10, and 7th and 11. Those were the best years where he spent a ton of money at the beginning of the year because he was hoping. He, he had a lot of his money wrapped up in his 26-man roster. That's not his 40-man roster total, and he was way up there. If a good player comes along and they move a little bit of salary around, I can see them going a little bit higher than where they're at, but I don't think they're going much higher. And that's why you're going to have to break some eggs to make an omelet. So now comes back to a question that we asked back in 2018 on this show, 2019 on this show, when Rick Hahn was rebuilding and bottoming out the payroll, was the money that Jerry Reinsdorf saved put someplace in a pot to be used? Because in reality, you're just back right now to what your level is normally when he's competing. 
There's not, you're not over the top. You're not going for it. You're not doing any of that. And I'm not saying he's, he has to do that right now. Maybe there's a plan for that. Like there's got to be that specific guy, but I would think if something came along, there should be something you you're still able to put one more good punch in there in terms of your payroll to get things up. And before I let you jump in here, Ed, I want to just tell everybody a couple of quick facts about Jerry Reinsdorf that I found through Forbes and Forbes list all the billionaires and keeps track of their net worth, like up to the date. Jerry Reinsdorf's worth $1.7 billion. And according to Forbes magazine is up from 1.3 billion back in March of 2015. So he's actually made $400 million in net worth throughout this entire thing where this team's been torn down and come back up again. All right. He's not starving is I think the point I'm trying to make. Over 40 years, he's only got one pennant in a World Series, and he owns uh, an estimated 19% stake in the White Sox still that he bought for only $19 million. He's done very well for himself. All right. There's part of me that thinks that a guy like that is going to may actually sit back and say, what the heck, man? I'm 85 years old. Uh, get, get that player. It's okay. Go get that player. I think he could do it and still make a profit. I think that's what I'm trying to point out. He's right now where he normally is when his team is competitive. And should be able to get that little extra oomph in there. But Rick Hahn is probably going to have to move some money. Does that all make sense to you? Kind of like trying to break that down? Because I feel like people don't grasp what's going on with the salaries. Well, it's partially because it's it's very easy just to sit there and say, go spend the money, go spend the money, go spend the money. And equate the idea of spending money with winning baseball. And it doesn't always translate that way. So... What you're looking at from an ownership standpoint, and I think as a fan, what you have to understand is there are going to be teams like the Dodgers that right now they are the team that goes out and just will throw money at the situation. And partially it's because they have a lot of expensive stars that they keep around for a while. And we've talked about the fact that of of the teams that are out there, they are a team that built a lot of major league depth where you are paying bench guys the way some people are paying their starters. So does that make for more success than what the White Sox are doing with a youth movement? You know, you're kind of not comparing the same thing. I think with Jerry and I think with the White Sox, I think it's also partially about deciding where to spend the money. And, and you know, we've been talking about roster construction. So let's revisit the right field thing to bring it kind of around full circle what we were talking about. One of the knocks on... Eddie Rosario, one of the knocks on Kyle Schwarber, one of the knocks on Jock Peterson was that they were going to be offense first. They were going to be defensively. They were going to present you with problems. Uh, They were power guys, certainly, but they were not necessarily at their best as far as being all-around hitters the way maybe we thought Schwarber was going to be when he first came up with the Cubs or the way Rosario had been a few years back, right? So they decided to spend $8 on Adam Eaton, who... Had he been at his best, was a solid all-around player who could put the ball out of the ballpark, he could steal you some bases, he was good defensively. You know, the, the, the Adam Eaton that was traded away, basically, to get us Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez and Dane Dunning, right? So that's a roster construction decision as much as it is a money decision, because they also, we know they also offered Jock Peterson more money to come play here than what he ultimately got from the Cubs. Right. So I do think that, yes, if they come out this offseason and see a guy that's available, you know, somebody that gets non-tendered we're not talking about right now, or, you know, even Marcus Simeon, where they just decide, let's bring him home. Let's bring him back 
and and we're going to roll the dice that this guy is exactly what he has proven to be and that he's now driven to become just a super duper star and he you know we're going to give him all this money to play second base for us I think they will do it. I do think that you're going to see some salary movement, though, partially because you have a guy in Craig Kimbrell who seems to be a bad fit for this team. And paying him $18 million to be a bad fit? $16. $16 million, but it's still terrible. Well, you know what? Inflation for him being terrible, okay? <laughs> the point of it is, though, is, is that you're trying to move Craig Kimbrell not because of just having to shed salary to add salary, but also because... You have to recoup the investment that you made in him, and the investment is Nick Madrigal, right? It's not the money. The investment is the player that you traded away, which is why picking up Kimbrell's option and then turning around and saying, hey, San Diego, I noticed that uh, you had some trouble with your bullpen this year, and you happen to have like four second basemen on your roster right now. How would you feel about sending us Adam Frazier, and we'll give you Craig Kimbrell? Maybe it'll give us a Tatis kid and he could play second base. What do you think? Yeah, sure. I, I'd, I'd take him. I mean, he's got some injury problems and stuff like that. I mean, he's, he's yeah, basically he's, done. Yeah, he's an injury liability. He's a huge liability His for career that team. seems like it's over. He seems like a huge liability. You see? Tremendous liability yeah, for Yeah, I team. mean, like, I think we're doing them. They probably should throw in a prospect if they give us Tatis for Kimbrel. Uh, I, I would think I, so. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I would I would. I would maybe I mean, their, that, that maybe guy. not one of their top prospects. Maybe yeah. one of their top five, though. Thanks for listening to Socks in the Basement. My thanks to Family Waterproofing Solutions our sponsors remember you can call them 24 7 at 708-330-4466 mention sacks in the basement get money off get all the water away from your house there's been a lot of water falling around your house i'm sure if you're in the chicagoland area over the last couple of days if you've seen seepage or any kind of issue get that taken care of right away see all they have to offer at familydry.com and meanwhile i've got some phone calls to make because i'm pretty sure we can get this tatis thing done by the end of the day what do you think book it done (laughs) socks in the basement socks in the basement socks in the basement socks in the basement heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socks in the basement.com